This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, turbulence, wind shear, and the necessity of tightening your seatbelt to avoid continually banging your head on the airframe all contribute to a memorably uncomfortable flight. Strap in and ride along in Tumble on the Ridge by Garrett Fisher. The flight was planned to be a photography exercise, documenting the terrain of the New River Basin in Virginia and West Virginia. The forecast called for sunshine, light westerly winds in the Piedmont of North Carolina, with a breezy day in the Virginias. I set off from Lincoln County Regional Airport outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, in my Piper PA-11 with a Continental O200 engine. It is a simple aircraft with no electrical system, The route of the flight was straight over the Brushy Mountains and north into the Blue Ridge Plateau in Virginia. The ascent itself into Virginia was uneventful, except the wind was absolutely howling with moderate turbulence in the higher terrain. After 20 minutes of flight in these conditions, it became clear that there is no way I could pull off any successful photography. I turned around at Hillsdale, Virginia, returning along a similar flight path. Conditions were at the border of impairing safe cruise flight. The turbulence was continuous and extremely annoying to manage while still in Virginia. My ascent up the Blue Ridge Plateau had been uneventful, so I planned a similar descent into the lowlands of the Piedmont. I decided I would get a little closer to the terrain right at the ridgeline as there were no buildings, vehicles, or people, and I could glide off the ridge into the Piedmont if the engine quit. I was paying close attention as I descended toward the ridgeline to the activity of the trees responding to the wind, and it appeared to be a lee-side area with much quieter conditions. Thus, I expected an uneventful descent. Upon getting 250 feet past the ridgeline, my expectations were proven to be starkly inaccurate. I encountered a mix of severe turbulence and wind shear unlike anything I thought was possible with flyable wind speeds. The aircraft was almost instantly rolled 110 degrees to the left, partially upside down, while about 300 feet above the ground below, 
200 feet behind me and 800 feet ahead. I instantly applied full right aileron and heavy right rudder. The roll rate in a cub is unimpressive, and my return to proper orientation to the sky was aided by getting rolled harshly 70 degrees to the right, along with vertical turbulence. I hit my head multiple times on the frame above the seat, and gear was flying around the cockpit with a vengeance. I can best describe the situation as like the spin cycle of a washing machine. During the violence, I was fighting the airplane like it was a misbehaving fighter jet, using all of the agility I had to control my upper body and keep my vision pointed out the windshield. There was only one quick glance possible at the airspeed indicator, which read 60 miles per hour with cruise power in a descent. A brief lull afforded the opportunity to pull the waist belt extremely tight and lower the airplane to maneuvering speed before the next series of vertical turbulence yet again managed to result in banging my head on the ceiling. The accessories in the baggage area that were not secured were getting thrown around, and I used the next calm window to reset the ELT, just in case. At this point, I thought I was getting away from the turbulence, as I was no longer close to the escarpment. I noted that, in the melee with the wind, I had lost a thousand feet of altitude, despite being trimmed for cruise. I tightened the waist belt again as hard as I could, just in case, even though I thought it was over. One final bang still managed to knock my headset off, for which I responded with tightening the shoulder belts as hard as they would go. After a consistent and mild downdraft away from terrain, the wind calmed to ten knots with sunny skies. My flirt with death quickly became an insultingly idyllic afternoon. With a 60-minute flight ahead of me, I had plenty of time to think what on earth went wrong with this little charade at the state line. I'm familiar with rotors, mountain waves, and downdrafts, and I have never been in a situation this vulnerable. I have done extensive mountain flying, including the 58 highest peaks in the Colorado Rockies in this particular airplane. Here, for the second time in my flying career, I was caught in a vulnerable situation, not in the epic spires of rock at 14,000 feet, nor the highest peaks over 6,000 feet in North Carolina, but rather at 3,000 feet in the southeast. The weather phenomenon was not something I expected. It was turbulence and wind shear. My best presumption is one current of air was moving fast over the plateau and another was stationary in the air mass below over the Piedmont. Two differing air speeds were most pronounced by the ridgeline, which created a strong shearing force. The reason the windward side did not feature this kind of danger was because of a longer fetch where the two air masses could mix. I'm thankful for three factors that I could control, which worked in my favor. The first was the fact that I had the bulk of all of the gear in the aircraft strapped down. Second, I did not follow untrained instinct, which is to pull up when rolled over, thanks in part to having read a fine article in AOPA Pilot Magazine about it in the not-too-distant past. Being so close to terrain behind me would have been a quick death. The last thing is my personal belief that panic and out-of-control fear has no place in an airplane. While I do not like being turned over, nor do I like getting literally beaten up by the wind, I was still many hundreds of feet from the nearest object. The matter of focus at the moment was not the emotional magnitude of what if, 
something worse happens. It was what needed to be done to get out of that situation. An airplane needs to be commanded and not the other way around. The most important lesson of the event is to take a cautious approach to getting close to terrain, evaluated daily based on the weather. That's my standard rule, and I ignored it. The second lesson is that terrain is terrain, regardless of how unimpressive the elevations are related to sea level. By thinking I was safe down at 3,000 feet MSL, I missed obvious clues and found myself upside down. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out FlyQ, AOPA's integrated flight planning software, as well as the many free online training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.